everybody welcome into a special edition of the daily energy news beat stand-up weekly recap here on this gorgeous saturday september 30th 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the premier of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart turley my man how we doing today it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood on a Saturday. I hope Absolutely. everybody's kind of chilling with the family. Hopefully. And you're about to get uh, our top stories from the week. It is a busy week, Stu. A lot going on. It was, uh, Michael, I keep sitting there thinking. I was thinking about our days when we were at the old regime. There were some days I had to look for an energy story. I ain't got that problem right now. But now we're free. <laughs> Free as we'll ever be. All right, folks, we got our top stories coming up. It was a really great week. You know, we had EIA, you know, oil jumped to 93 bucks. Gotta love that. People at Shell, EPA doing power moves. I'm turning it over to the weekly recap. We'll see you Monday, folks. Hey, let's have a little bit of fun. Boy, that almost sounded like Putin. Hey. Hey. Okay. Uh, Recent grid reforms might not be enough for Virginia to hit its clean energy targets, advocates say. You know, Michael, this is a common theme. And when you sit back and take a look at job creation, wind, solar capacity in the queue, and then you take a look, Virginia is on track to meet short-term carbon-free targets laid out in the sweeping Clean Economy Mm. Act of 2020. It's remarkable considering that 44,000 megawatts of wind and solar energy storage projects proposed across the state are still waiting in PJM's interconnection queue, which is, Michael... What is that? That is a regulations from the Biden administration holding this up. Oops. Now, here's another quote in here from Amon. He says, uh, even though Virginia is in good shape for the immediate future, more proactive transmission planning would really help. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, Michael, you cannot put renewables on a grid without planning ahead. It does not work. You you cannot do it. And they're 180 per, 180% higher in order yeah. to get it done. It's dumb. It's the pot call, call <laughs> calling the kettle black. This Amon, Dana Amon, do you know what you know what this person is? They're a policy analyst at the Natural Resources Defense Council, who I'm pretty sure was involved in writing the Inflation Reduction Act. So the policy analyst didn't think originally when they wrote the bill that maybe if we're going to inject all of this money into the economy via clean energy, we should at least have the ability for somebody to approve the permit. They're absolutely stupid. So this policy analyst should probably go work. It's probably out of the straight out of the IEA, straight from Russell's over here. And they're getting hired by the Natural Resources Defense Council, because clearly if you had seen this coming, you would have addressed this in the Clean Economy Act. Absolutely. Uh, Hilarious. Further down here, it says 5,200 megawatts of offshore wind. While she is cheered by the progress, though, so far, she's faced many hurdles. 
Michael, on 5,200 megawatts, let's talk about what that means to the grid. 5,200 megawatts may be the tag on that wind turbine for their capabilities of generation. But for a grid balancing authority being able to do that, let's divide that by 180. You're not going to be able to count on that wind in order to remain all the time. And I use about 5.2 megawatts of electricity every month to power all my screens. So I don't even buy it's that much. I just think it's hilarious. Everyone now is talking about, well, permitting, we got to refer permitting, we got to refer regulations. Like, you dummies, think of that beforehand. Get the regulations right before you start dumping all of this money in, or else it's just a cash grab and nothing's going to happen. Uh, personally, I think it's a cash grab, but we'll leave that alone. Federal judge orders the Biden administration to uh, expand the Gulf of Mexico oil auction. I'm not sure who picked this picture, but it looks like uh, Diaper Dan there. Uh, Biden is uh, all grumped out. I mean, yeah. that was, so the Louisiana based judge concluded that the Interior Department probably moved wrongly at the 11th hour to yank roughly 6 million acres off the auction block. Whoa. Ocean, the Department, the Interior Department of Bureau of Ocean Energy Management. Boy, that sounds like a uh, rat cave of uh, uh, what do you want to call that one? Bureaucracy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not okay. good. No, not not good. Uh rats get lost in there and then they have to finally come out. Never mind. Okay, the decision is a win for Louisiana, which it ar- argued it stood to lose as much as 2.2 million in royalties. Oh, follow the money. Louisiana's not well, dumb. Uh, you know, it's how else do these Counties make money. If you have oil in your right. county, the way I mean, it, there's a reason why Midland. I, we could get into it for ye, we could we could we could go down this rabbit hole. But I think it's it's crazy that right. people don't think of second order effects. Why do all of the people who live around oil and gas love oil and gas? Right. I don't know because of the amount of economic stability and uplift it brings to the region. I don't know. Maybe you know it's not you know. It just well, it, it boggles my people. Like, well, uh, most people in, hate in Louisiana, Michael. I don't know. They're great places to live. Now, Michael, you have to remember in Louisiana is also home to the uh, Haynesville, the uh, that oil field. I mean, the oil and gas field that uh, we have Chenier uh, coming out of all of that natural gas going to uh, Chenier and then being exported out. Do you know how much money the U.S. government is making out of the Haynesville yeah. in Louisiana? Now, in the grand scheme of things, $2.2 million is really not that much considering the amount of debt we're in. The problem is, this. It, it, don't it is think to, about the money, think about the supply of oil. We're already in a point where we are going to be undersupplied. What is the one few things that an American oil company can do that can move the needle realistically right. in terms of oil production? It's offshore. There's not much onshore that's going to really move the needle. I mean, outside of ExxonMobil saying we're going to double our Permian spending, you know, Chevron and Pioneer yep. all coming out saying we're all going to double our capital expenditure in the Permian. OK, that maybe moves the needle. What does move the needle? Uh, you know, a, a, a two billion dollar CapEx spend drilling four to five wells out in Louisiana, out in the offshore. 
That's, you know, 100, 150,000 barrels a day. Now you start seeing the needle get moved and, and, and you start seeing that gap closing. So while, yes, $2.2 million, the counter argument is, well, that's not that much. And look, they're saving the whales. We know where I stand on the whales, kill them all. But what I do stand for is if we're if you're actually uh, talking about lowering oil prices, you've got to put more supply in mean, basic economics. So I think this is a short term Woo, looks good for the administration. They strike this down. But in the long run, it's going to kill them. You know, this this judge overruled it. It'll be interesting to see if it actually takes place. This auction is supposed to take place on the 27th. So hey, on Wednesday, it'll be interesting to see if that actually goes through. Hey, let me uh, do a little bit of uh, a shout out. Um, you When you're doing a uh, you're not going to be killing the whales uh, in the Gulf of Mexico. A, it's not a major thoroughfare for whales. B, uh, the sounding and all of the geo uh, work that has to be done with oil and gas rigs is nothing like what has to be done in the wind and the uh, offshore wind up on the East Coast. And that's a major contributor to the dead whales that you so aptly want to drop in and kill all the whales. And then I want to go ahead and drop them in the White House lawn. I think that would be great. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to leave it. So let's go to David Blackman. And again, uh, last week we talked about it, but he asserted himself last week uh, signaling the his predecessor, uh, Boris Johnson, that last week proposing to delay and modify some of the worst of them in a major address to the nation. So he had to do that because they were about to uh, leak. I talked to David about that. He proposed revisions to include delaying the ban on the sale of new diesel and gasoline cars from 2030 to 2035. So that's only a five-year slip, but yet did you hear the heads popping? Pow, 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 pow. I mean, they did not like that. But when you take a look at EVs, their affordability, being able to get everything, there's another article on Energy Newsbeat today that the used car EV market is just deteriorating. People can't even afford the used EVs. And the expense is between $5,000 and $22,000 to replace the batteries at the time they start becoming used. So I, I applaud uh, the prime minister for that. The political motiva- uh, motivation that he had for making the policy changes was to put some space between his conservative party and the socialist Britain, uh, British Labour Party. As if on cue, the late Labour leaders quickly obliged him, announcing less than 24 hours after his speech If elected to a majority in upcoming elections, their party would quickly to bat the tennis ball back over the net and restore Johnson's unattainable goals. It's pretty sad when the consumers are at the they're going to get hit with the bat. And it's not the political parties, it's the consumers. Oil is headed to as high as $150 a barrel unless the U.S. government does more. Harold Ham, I want to just give a brief uh, outing or comment. I met Harold probably five years ago, maybe six years ago. And back then he was saying, we are going to be down to 400 rigs. And we were at like a thousand rigs, Michael. 
And everybody was sitting there kind of going, there's no way. Sure enough. So the man, Harold, knows what he's talking about. So pay attention when he does talk. And his continental resources he bought back is, I think they're providing 2 million barrels a day. They're a player. So let's talk about Harold's crude output in the Permian will at one day peak as it already has in rival shale fields as the other Balkan region and North Dakota and the Eagleford in Texas. Continental Chief Executive Doug Lawler said in an interview with Bloomberg, without exploration, you're going to see 120 to 150, he said. I guarantee you it's going to send a shock through the system. Now, how come? It's because the ESG mold is folding. Investors want their money back. They're quit investing in things. We're seeing the renewable. Nobody's bidding on wind farms now. (laughs) They can't. No, I'm with you. I just find it funny. The title, Harold Hamm asking the U.S. government to do more to control oil prices. Man. I would have not put that in my genie bottle of things I would have guessed would have happened two years ago. I'd see Harold Hammond at an event saying, we need more government intervention to lower oil prices. It's kind of it's the weird twilight zone we're living in. Well, in his book I have right over here, it's he's probably talking about in this just telling by the articles, uh, the author of the article. He definitely is. uh, He's referring to regulatory issues. So he he gets hammered by regulation. So I have a feeling that's what he was talking about. He does say without more policies encouraging new drilling, you're going to see more pressures on price. I agree with you. We should have more. I mean, I'm not against new policies. We should be, you know, for every policy we enact, we should get rid of two older policies. Again, I'm just pointing out the fact that it is interesting. I didn't see that on my bingo card when I walked in the game beginning of the year. No. Harold Ham screaming for government regulation. I, I think there's a difference between policy and regulations. Mm-hmm. He is saying policy, which says drill, baby, drill. Regulatory issues say avoid the salamander. He, he appointed Chesapeake's old CEO as, as their new CEO, Doug Lawler. So we know exactly where this train's headed. Oops. How the transition push contributed to higher oil prices. This one just kind of writes itself. There's three bullet points that the author brings up. Anti-fossil fuel policies in the U.S. and Europe have led to lower investments in new projects. Wow, we saw that one coming. Michael, $4 trillion is what we need to invest just to meet the decline curves. Oh, okay. Uh, ExxonMobil CEO Woods, if we don't maintain some level of investment in the industry, you can end up running short of supply. Mm-hmm. All right. Only lowering global energy demand may lead to a situation which prices will remain under control. What does that mean? I think what you're what you're seeing is, I mean, that's a fancy word of saying stop driving, Stu. That's a fancy way of saying stay inside. Turn off your AC. 
shut down your electricity at night. I mean, it's it's that coded language that they're throwing in there. Did you see last a couple of days ago, Bloomberg or somebody had an article about why bugs have more protein in it than you think? I mean, they're trying to code us in order to, to use less energy, to eat less meat and ultimately die earlier because we're costing us so much money. Well, I want to throw this ugly squirrel instead of an ugly baby. I want to make sure I don't uh, upset any mothers. So unless your kid looks like a squirrel. Okay. So let's throw this ugly squirrel onto this mix. You know, Michael, when we take a look at this, Reuters uh, reported this week citing Reistad. We love uh, over there at Reistad. Investment in oil and gas on a global scale would only grow moderately this year to $579 billion. That compared to an annual investment rate of 521 between 2015 and 2022 after the 2014, which stood at $887 billion. Now, if we need $4 trillion in uh, investment, all you can see is a very big bull sitting around the corner for the oil and gas market. Yeah. And I, I, I thought this quote was interesting. The secretary general of the African Petroleum Producers or Organization, Omar Farouk Ibrahim. Listen to this, Stu. He doesn't pull any punches. We are being intimidated into running away from fossil fuel investment. Mm, mm. Right. Well, here's the thing. Uh, we have the ESG movement that is folding. We had Lego, Michael. We had Lego that had gone to oil-free Lego bricks. They just came out and said that they're going back to oil-based uh, products because uh, the ESG movement is failing. Uh, I mean, even if you have toy manufacturers realizing that they can't use straw to build Legos, you're you're realizing that you're going to have to make a change. So you're going to have to. Let's go to the EPA's illegal power play. Michael, can you believe the audacity of the EPA to come up with an illegal power play, Michael? I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see that one coming. The U.S. Supreme Court ruling in West Virginia versus EPA last year. Boy, everybody was just shouting around on that bad dog. It was a historic defeat. For the EPA uh, ruled that the 2015 Clean Power Plan by President Obama's, that was his big time climate uh, agenda. Do you remember that? Was unconstitutional and dramatically limited the EPA's power to regulate. All right. The article is fantastic, Michael. It says you could either have two outcomes. You could either take its lumps and then go work on real regulatory issues or it could throw everything into the boat and try to go for one last attempt to hit a home run with no bat. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to take the home run and try to try to force their way down our throat. Oh yeah. And so what they're going to try to do is uh, put these through before next summer so that they can at least be in the court system as a political win for Mr. Biden. Under the proposed rule, this is just, Michael, what they're saying is it's called a new source performance standard, an NSPS, and they're talking about new performance standards for the grid, natural gas and coal for retrofitting. They didn't even make any rules because they said we're not building anymore, so we're not going to need them. What? Hmm? Huh? So they're not giving the power companies any directions. 
Okay. Uh, larger new modified combined natural gas plants, 30% of the nation's electricity would be required to achieve close to zero carbon emissions by either implementing carbon capture and storage, which is CCS, and not if you had the utilization, it'd be utilization if the CCUS, if they could store, uh, sell it. But you got to drop the utilization because trust me, we don't know what we don't know how to utilize it yet. Uh, there's a lot of diet cokes that people are going to have to drink in order to get that. Yeah. Um, and so um, let's see what was that part? Oh, capture ninety percent of the carbon emissions by 2035, or by switching from natural gas to ninety eight percent green hydrogen by 2038. Okay, is green hydrogen even ready? No. It, it probably won't be ready until 2040. I, I mean, holy smokes, Batman. No, this is like somebody had a bad dream. They woke up and said, hey, let's get electric buses. Oh, we'll cover that here in a sec. It is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, OK, I, I love Oklahoma. And I love OSU and I love Oklahoma University, but this is so dumb. Even nobody from Oklahoma University could have had anything to do with this. This is so dumb. It's even below them. Below CU. No, it's stupid. I, again, it, you said it all in the beginning. It's all for political wins. They don't yep. really care if it passes. They just need something for President Biden to campaign on. And unfortunately, it 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 comes at the expense of forcing a lot of extra, yeah, a lot of extra stuff going on that doesn't need to happen in terms of, you know, you know, all of this new looking at regulation, get everybody stirred up for ultimately nothing's going to happen. Super annoying. Oh, it's just pathetic. And what's happening, Michael, is we're seeing around the world this push, this gigantic, it started with the uh, prime minister of England. And then it got into Shell. This one, Shell, is now under the pressure because they're now saying, hey, wait a minute. Since the prime minister of England said, hey, we had to push it out five more uh, years, all of a sudden, all the big boys, big oil and every energy, uh, total energy has already said it. And Shell, while Swan that's a, a funny name, has already come under pressure um, in an open letter posted this month. Let's see, where is it? Quote, for a long time, this guy was Thomas Brostrom. After less than two years, he was out. He quit. And he said, quote, for a long time, it has been Shell's ambition to be a leader in the energy transition. It's the reason we work here. The recent announcements uh, at and after the capital markets that day deeply concern us, and we can only hope the optics of the CMD uh, announcements are deceiving and that Shell continues its path as a leader in the energy transition. You know, how can they pay for the energy transition if there's no profits? The taxpayers are now not bidding on offshore wind and um there's a whole money paradigm shift changing right now in in the renewables so i thought this was pretty interesting when uh we you and i talked i believe two weeks ago michael shell bp and all these others started following the u.s big oil companies and backing away from renewables i thought this was a pretty good article yeah. And I mean, one thing it's, 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 it's nice to see a company be able to take criticism from internally and turn it into a positive. And I love the quote 
from, right. from the CEO for an organization at the crux of the NA transition. There are no easy answers and no shortages of dilemmas or challenges. They also saw spokespersons come out and said, we appreciate our staff that are engaged and have passion about the NA transition and sell. Then a bunch of googly gob after that. But I love that they're standing behind this guy right. and these two people are not completely throwing them under the bus because he's right. There is some, you know, Something's got to go here. If you're going to lean more, you know, they say Shell keeps saying they're going to lean more into operational efficiency. Well, you know what that means. Oil and gas projects. Drill more wells. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Get more oil. So we know exactly what that stands for. 